you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. Turn uh, to Colossians 3.15. We're in the series uh, Silent Night. I, I encourage you uh, to go online if you weren't here last week and listen to our message, uh, our first uh, message in this series, and it's answering the question of what is peace. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about peace on earth, Colossians 3.15. And uh, we'll read it right here on the screen behind us. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How many of you want the peace of God to rule in your heart? Amen. I do. Uh, To which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. Lord, they've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now I pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now, uh, here we are in the middle, or right nearing the end of Christmas, the Christmas season. And I, I don't know about uh, anybody else in here, but and I might be uh, making a confession that is going to lessen my reputation uh, but the truth is, is that uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Hi, my name is Brian Sparks, and I am not a fan of Christmas carols. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of people out there that you're diehard Christmas Carol fans, and and uh, I mean, you've got all the you you know the Michael Bublé CDs, and you've got all of these. You got, uh, I mean, you're you're so. Uh, you're, you're so diehard. You got Kenny G's greatest hits. Come on, Christmas hits. You've got all of these different ones, and I, and I and I'm happy for you that you like them. But I'm the guy who listens to uh, Spotify all Christmas season uh, because I don't really want to hear Christmas songs. That's just the way I am. Now my wife uh, is is uh, she oozes Christmas spirit everywhere. I mean, it's like she loves, and I love Christmas. I think it's a great time. I think the reason why I, I don't really Really like uh, singing Christmas carols is because I actually pay attention to the lyrics. And if you ever listen to the lyrics of some Christmas carols, you'll and you really think about what you're saying, you might think twice about what you're singing. Like I, I, I'll just go ahead and say, have you? How many of you, um, in any other scenario besides Christmas, could get a grown dang man to sing the lyrics? A Rudy Toot Toot and a Rummy Tum Tum. I'm sorry, but that that's not does not make me feel manly. And if you're singing that as a man, uh, I, I'm not sure about your, uh, your your you can leave your man card on the way out the door. Okay. Uh, but you know that's not the only one. The truth is, is that uh, how many of y'all have ever heard? Uh, you, you you hear the? Uh, I'm sorry, I've lost I've lost my train of thought because that's who I. Do you hear what I hear? Have you ever heard that song? Do you hear what I hear? Okay, in that song there is a lamb that's talking to a shepherd boy. Now, if you are a shepherd boy and lambs are talking to you, you've been in the field way too long, man. Like, I'm sorry, but you need to go have some me time, go get around some real actual people because lambs are talking to you for crying out loud. Uh, How about the one that says, a child, a child, shivering in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? Right? 
I mean, I, I'm just using logic here. I, I see a baby shivering in the cold. I don't think silver and gold. No, I think not cold metal. I think let's bring him a blanket. He's cold for crying out loud. See, we sing songs, and a lot of times we don't really think of the meaning. We don't think of uh, everything that's going on behind it. And, the, and, and in fact, uh, the song that this series is named after is another one of those songs. Now, I love Silent Night. I think it's a beautiful song. I, I think it's very well written, but the truth is, is, is there's, a, there's a line in there that says that all is calm and all is bright. And in the natural, that is not that could not there there could not be a a line that's further from the truth than that very thing. See, because all was not calm and all was not bright. When you read the Christmas story, most of us just read over it. We kind of glance over it. We've heard it so many different times that we don't really think about everything that's going on. Let's read it together. Luke two one through seven. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while that guy was governing Syria. Hey, you want to say it? Go ahead. You pronounce it if you want. <laughs> I'm a preacher. I'm not. I'm, I, anyway. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, we've read this story many, many times, but let's just get down to really what's going on here. Uh, here Mary is, uh, and we all know the story. Mary was a virgin. The uh, Holy Spirit came to her. We know the story behind this, but the facts are that Mary was a girl, a young girl, who was pregnant outside of marriage. Now, I know in, in today's society, that, that is honestly has become, you know, a pretty common thing. It's not a shocking thing to hear of a woman getting pregnant outside of marriage. And, and, but the thing is, is that in those days and in that time, it was something that would absolutely, was an, a devastating blow to any woman who had that happen. A lot of times they would, uh, there was, there was some cultures that would actually stone you. You were, uh, if they found out that you, uh, you had a, uh, were pregnant outside of marriage, you were going to die. That was just the way it was. At the very least, uh, most cultures would definitely shun you. You were not going to be a part of the family. They would put you away. They would hide you. They didn't want anything to do with you. You were a shameful, uh, you were a shameful person in anybody's life. And so Mary is dealing with all of that, right? And then on top of that, here she are. Now then, uh, the king uh, sends out a decree that says, hey, I want everybody to come and register and literally, what he's doing is he's saying, I really want everybody to come pay taxes. I want you to come. Get... Now, I don't like paying taxes ever. Uh, and if you like paying taxes, you can pay mine, okay? Uh, but but I did, So here they are. They're having to go pay taxes. She's pregnant outside of marriage. They're having to go pay taxes. So Joseph has to load her up on a donkey, her eight- to nine-month pregnant behind up on a donkey. Now, I don't know if you've ever, uh, if, if you've never been married to an eight or nine month pregnant woman, uh, you honestly don't know what hell's like. 
Uh, they are uh, moody and uh, not very fun to be around a lot of the time, and, and uh, much less to put in a car on a long ride. And, and I can't even imagine throwing them on a donkey. I, I was young. We were young when we, uh, Crystal got pregnant with uh, Braley. And uh, I, uh, we were having to go to Austin for some reason. I can't remember what it was. But I'm a guy who, when I'm traveling, I like making really good time. Any guys in here? Okay. Well, my wife was seven months pregnant at the time, and, and uh, we were making great time. I'm talking about we were beating odds. It was, it was said that it was going to take, uh, I think, four and a half hours, and I think we were on track to get there in four hours. We were just doing really well on time. And my wife does what every pregnant woman does, and she looks over, at she, and she says, I need to go to the bathroom. And I said, well, your bathroom break's going to have to wait because it's going to throw my time off. So I made her whole hold her pee, seven months pregnant for two and a half hours. And every pregnant in here, woman in here or has ever been pregnant wants to kill me right now. I'm sorry. I've learned the error of my ways. Don't, don't be mad at me. I apologize. Uh, right now, she still remembers it. I think she still wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks about doing me bodily harm. But the thing is, is that I, I want you to understand that I, I can't imagine, ri- I know riding with a pregnant woman for a long ways is a big deal, but can you imagine a loading up on a donkey and having to ride for a long ways? That would be a miserable situation. And uh, to add insult to injury, not only does this happen, but this sends her into labor. Now then, they're in a place in a strange land where they know nobody. Uh, how many of you, when you're when you're sick, you just want to be home? When you're, uh, you just want to be around something you know. And 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 so she goes into labor, and they go to try to find a hotel, and there's no hotel rooms because everybody has their own thing uh, going on. They're all coming in for this uh, to pay taxes in this census. So now then, here she is, and and they say, hey, we got room for you in a barn. Now, I know some of you are redneck enough that you think, well, I was born in a barn, and I turned out just fine, you know, uh, that, and that's, that's fine. We're sorry you were born in a barn, but, but for most of us, we wouldn't think that is the ideal scenario to have your first baby. You wouldn't look around and think, you know what, this is the exact scenery that I want. This is, what I, this is exactly how I, I, I pictured it in my mind. Come on. You, I, I had it all laid out. And this is, whenever I pictured it, this is where it was at. Right here in this barn, surrounded by ca- uh, cows and sheep. And I, the smell is, is exactly what I, no, the truth is, is it was not a good scenario. She gives birth to her baby she wraps him up, and she has to put her newborn baby into a feed trough. Now, I, this would have been completely fine with the second kid. But for the, everybody knows, for the first kid, a feed trough is not a suitable bed. Second kid, the ground's fine. Like, it's totally... First kid, no, feed trough is not where we want to lay our kid at all. And here she is, she's having to lay her firstborn child into a manger or into, we say a, a feed trough is really what it was. Here's the thing is, is that when we picture all of that, can you really sing all is calm, all is bright? Because in the natural There was no peace. In the natural, the story has a lot of heartache. 
and it has a lot of turmoil. Now, I know it was a day that changed every one of our lives if you're a Christian. But the truth is, is that in the natural, in that time, in that scenario, there was nothing peaceful about it. See, I love the gospel message because Jesus, here, here Jesus is, the creator of the universe. He could have come any way that he wanted. He could have showed up in a palace somewhere. He could, have, he could have been born to royalty. He could have had everything laid out to him. But here he is. He goes, no, you know what? When I picture how I'm going to be born, it's not going to be surrounded by luxury with everybody pampering me. I'm going to be born in a barn in the lowliest place that you can possibly think of. Why would he do that? Simply because he knew that there were some of you that, that would not be born into peaceful situations. That you would be, you would be uh, surrounded by heartache. You'd be surrounded by turmoil. You'd be surrounded by scenarios and situations that weren't peaceful at all. And he wanted to relate to you. He didn't want to just come and say, you know what, I've been here, done that. He wanted to actually be able to relate to every situation and every scenario that you could possibly go through. So he was born in a place where no one would want to be born. And the truth is, is now we're talking about peace and we sing songs about peace and we have all of this, we're talking about peace. But the truth is, is that if we're real honest, there's things that are always trying to steal our peace. There's things that are always out to get your peace. I want to share with you four things that, that I think that steal your peace on a regular basis. The first one is this. It's unavoidable circumstances. Unavoidable circumstances. Now, I think that a lot of us uh, would, would automatically think about big things. We would think about something major uh, that, that happened. You know, it, it would be an unavoidable circumstance, like you, you, it was a doctor's report, or it was something, something major, and we automatically think of all the big things that happened in our lives. But the truth is, is the, the, the biggest peace stealers are not necessarily the biggest things. A lot of times, it's the little things that steal our peace the most. The little things. Come on, you're, you're, you, you, uh, you've, you thought you set your alarm, but you, you forgot to set your alarm, and now you're late for work. So you're running out the door, and you're trying to get uh, everything together. Come on, maybe you get to work, and, and uh, you spill coffee all over your shirt. And, and not only that, but you have a big meeting with the boss, and now you've got to go in looking like a goober with coffee down the front of your shirt. Maybe uh, you walk out uh, from work and just want to go home and, and relax and unwind, and you think about, man, I'm just, this is a hard day. It was stressful, and, and you go out to a flat tire. Uh, you, you have an unexpected bill come in the mail. See, the, the truth is, is that there are unavoidable circumstances that happen to us all the time, and they're all doing one thing. They're trying to steal our peace. They're trying to take your peace. They're trying to take a good day and make it into a bad day. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that tries to steal your peace is unbearable people. Un- <laughs> Man, I get a lot of amens on that one. 
unbearable people. You know, it doesn't, t- you don't have to go very far uh, in, in the Christmas season uh, to find unbearable people, right? I, I mean, you go uh, to the grocery store and unbearable people are everywhere. You go uh, sh- uh, Christmas shopping and unbearable people are there. You go out to eat and unbearable people are everywhere. I was driving down the road the other day and and uh, a guy decided that uh, I, I did something wrong. I'm not sure what it was. And, and uh, he, he proceeded to uh, roll down his window and give me the one-fingered peace sign is the best way to. And now then, here I am, and I, I'm dealing with an unbearable person. And you would think as a pastor, I'm automatically super Christian. And I just think, Lord Jesus, Lord, just bless him right now in the name of Jesus. But I didn't, and I, I said, uh, I said, you know, I st- you jerk, what are you doing? What are you- I didn't do anything wrong, I'm the best driver. You know, come on, I began to go. Now then my wife is sitting next to me, and she's Miss Peace. Like she has, she says, I- I'm a carrier of peace, and I, I know exactly, I-, I don't have to, you know, and-, and I'm sitting here, and I'm going off. And what I did was, without even knowing, is I let an unbearable person sneak in that I didn't even know and steal my peace. Sometimes you don't have to go anywhere, really, to find unbearable people. Sometimes you go to work, and you have people at work that are unbearable. You have a a boss that's unbearable. Come on, I've been there. Sometimes you go home, and your place of refuge is you have neighbors that are unbearable. They're rude. They're mean. But sometimes you don't even have to leave your house because there's people in your house that are unbearable and they're doing everything that they can to try to make your life miserable. They know how to push every button. They know how to, they know how to uh, aggravate you and it seems like everything that they're doing, everything that they are is out to try to steal your peace. The third thing is is unanswered questions. Unanswered questions. You ever ask the question why? You know, I've been I, I've asked that question many, many times in in my life. Like why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Why? And as a pastor, you know, I'm supposed to have all the answers, but the truth is, is there's some things that I don't know. I think one day that we'll get to heaven and we'll ask God why, and he'll be able to explain everything to us. And the truth is, is that most of us have, have this question of why did my marriage turn out the way that it did? Why, did my, uh, why are my kids rebelling and not living like they should? Why did I get fired from my job? Why did that loved one pass away sooner than they should? But I want you to understand that it's okay to ask God why, but I don't want you to live and die in your why's. See, you can ask the question why. See, a lot of us get this thought of, well, I, I can't serve a God that doesn't answer the question why. But the truth is, is that I, the Bible says this, that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God has come to give life and life more abundantly. See, what you have to understand, you can ask the question why. But a lot of times we blame God for something that the devil did to us. We blame God for something that happened in our lives. See, the reason why God gets blamed for bad things that happen in our lives is not 
because he caused it. It's because he's so good at turning things around. See, we serve a God who sits back and he sees something happen in your life. And he says, you know what? I'm not willing to let you stay there. I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm going to make it good. I'm going to bring you out of this. I'm going to see you through it. But a lot of us get stuck and we let unanswered questions steal our peace. The fourth thing that steals our peace is uncontrollable worry. Uncontro- Come on, I know some people can relate. Everyone, no matter how old, no matter how young, if you're young, you probably worried about a test, Bear. Amen? If you're older, you've probably worried about a doctor's report. If you're if you're middle-aged, you may be worried about a bill. If you, you, there's, there's something. Everyone in here can relate to worry. We all have things every day that are trying to come into our lives and steal our peace. And it's usually something called worry. We worry about uh, every... My, my Nana, I love my Nana, and she's... Uh, Great Christian woman, and one uh, the other day she was staying at our house, and she came in, uh, and and she she told Crystal, she said, uh, you know, I, honey, I didn't sleep a wink last night, and Crystal goes, well, why? Why did you? Well, I was wor- or I was thinking about this bill. I was I was up thinking about it. I couldn't. I, I just couldn't get. I couldn't go to bed. I was thinking about how I was going to pay it. And and Crystal said, well, Nana, now you know the Bible says not to worry. And she goes, well, I wasn't worried. I was just thinking about it. <laughs> and the thing is, is you can label it whatever you want, but the truth is, is worry can destroy your life. Worry won't only steal your peace, it can steal your health. Huh? It can, it can steal a lot of things from you. It, it, the truth is, is that they say that worry is linked to heart disease, heart attacks, high, high blood pressure. It's linked to, uh, linked to all kinds of physical ailments. Why? It's because, uh, but we take it in and we continue to worry about something that we can't control. It does no good to worry about it. There's never a time when I said, you know what, at the end of the situation and everything comes through, I don't ever go, you know what, I'm glad I spent all those nights worrying about that. Because that's really cha- if that changed the outcome completely. Like if I wouldn't have been up worrying about it, yeah, I got a stomach ulcer. But the thing is, is that what else would have happened if I, the uncontrollable worry is always trying to steal our peace? If there's all of these things that are trying to steal our peace, how do we deal with it? How do we live with it? The first thing that I want you to see in this is the the the, the, the way that you deal and learn. To have peace in any scenario is this. Learn to rely on God's provision. Learn to rely on God's provision. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Be anxious for nothing. Come on, slap your neighbor and say, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, I think that most of us don't rely on what God has already provided for us. That God has provided for us peace. He's provided for us something that we already have, but most of us don't go to God at all. In fact, prayer and asking God for anything is honestly a last-ditch effort. I hear a lot of people that will say to me, they'll say, well, Brian, all I have left to do is just to pray. What do you mean that's all you have left to do? 
It should be the thing that you have to do. The first thing that you do should be taking your, your things that you're anxious about, casting your cares on him because he cares for you. But we don't do that. Most of us, we go to Facebook with our issues. And the people that comment and give you advice on Facebook shouldn't be giving you advice because they're just as jacked up as you are. And so we try that out, and we'll go to this friend, and we'll go to that friend. We go, uh, we go to our aunt who's been married 84 times, come on, and ask for marriage advice. And even though I love your aunt, and I think she's amazing, she's been married 84 times. Let's not ask her for marriage advice. Let's take our problems, let's take our marriage issues, let's take our family issues, let's take our job issues, and run to the one person who can change it all, who can fix it, who can make it right. God, I come to you right now, and I don't know what's going on, and I don't have peace in the middle of this, but Lord, I thank you right now that I can come into your presence, and I can cast my cares on you because you care for me. Second thing you have to do is you need to learn to run to God's presence. Mm. Learn to run to God's presence. See, uh, uh, I had a, a guy that came in and into the church, and he was talking about, man, I love the church. It's so amazing, and and, and everything that you, you know. I just every week I can't wait to get there. I'm so excited about it, and I and I'm like, man, that's that's great. And I'm I'm like, well, what do you love about it most? And course I'm a preacher so I think it's going to be the preaching you know he's got a he said no I love the worship because when I come into the worship it doesn't matter what's going on and what's what I've had going on maybe even that morning I come in and I experience the presence of God and in that moment all my worry and all my all of the things that I was concerned about I, I just for that moment I have peace and because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Come on. And at his right hand, there are pleasures ever. You have to get on the inside of you that the presence of God can be a place of refuge. When I have difficulties, when I have hard things, I, I had some stuff going on and, and was dealing with some stress and some things that I, I, I were beyond my control. I was over my head. And in that moment... Sometimes, even as a preacher, the last thing I think is about God's presence. But in that moment, I went to God and I said, God, and I just get into the presence of God. And every stress and every worry and every concern is gone in an instant. Can I tell you, friend, that you can experience the presence of God Anywhere you go. You can experience the presence of God in your car on the way to work. You can experience the presence of God in the shower before you go to work. You can experience the presence of God at church. You can experience the presence of God sitting on your couch. Run to God's presence third way that we keep our peace in this is we learn to forgive the people that have hurt us. Now I know this is a popular one. Because when I start talking about forgive, forgiving people that have done you wrong, you automatically assume that 
I'm saying that they didn't do anything wrong. But the truth is, is that when you choose to forgive somebody, it's not saying that they didn't hurt you. They did. It's not saying that they weren't wrong. They were. But it's just saying, God, I can't hold it anymore. I have to let it go. In Isaiah 61.1, it's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has, the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, there's some people in here that you have a broken heart. And I want you to know a God that can heal it. But it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now the thing about a captive is you have to understand is that they weren't put there by, uh, because of something they did. They were put there from s- someone else put them there. Someone else locked them up. Someone else put them away. And they're being held captive against their will. See, unforgiveness will hold you captive. And I know that somebody else did you wrong, and I know somebody else hurt you, and I know somebody else talked about you. I know they stabbed you in the back. I know that it, it, it hurt more than I can imagine, and I can't even wrap my mind. There's some of you that have stories that you could tell me that I could not even begin to imagine. But I'm telling you about a God who loves you. And He came not so that you could carry that for the rest of your life, But so you could say, God, I don't know how to deal with this anymore. I don't know how to handle it. I'm tired of carrying this weight. And today I want to forgive somebody. I'm not saying that what they did was right. I'm saying I'm tired of carrying it on my own. Learn to forgive people that hurt you. There's somebody in here that you've had bitterness, you've had anger, you've had resentment towards somebody and it started to change who you are. And I want you to know today, friend, that Jesus came to set you free. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to deserve it. He came to set you free last thing and I'm done is you need to learn to receive God's forgiveness for yourself learn to receive God's forgiveness for yourself Isaiah 61 1 it says to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound see there's a massive difference between captives and prisoners Captives, you were put there by somebody else, but a prisoner, you're there because you did something to deserve being put there. What you did was wrong. What you did was messed up. And I think a lot of us, without even knowing, without even realizing it, we're in a prison. And every time we think about raising our hands in church and every time we think about telling somebody about Jesus and every time we think about uh, 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 moving on, we're reminded, we're constantly reminded of the thing that we did. 
Maybe it's the things that we did and we think, you know, I, I, I can't go to church. I'd be a hypocrite. I, I can't do that. I'd be a hypocrite. And I want you to understand that Jesus did not come so that you could carry the weight of your sin. He already carried it for you, friend. And you can right now understand that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You can experience forgiveness. You can experience grace. You can experience mercy. Not because you deserve it, but because He freely gave it. Some of you today, you need to stop beating yourself up for something you did so long ago. Maybe it was not even that long ago. This morning, you need to accept God's forgiveness for yourself.